This week on Future of Sex. If we get into a huge fight, there needs to be aftercare. If we have some wild sex, there needs to be aftercare. If we have a series of deep conversation, there needs to be aftercare. I think that one night stands are the best opportunity to reveal our true selves and to be bring our whole selves into the bedroom because you know we're this is experimental this is exploratory this is supposed to be fun but I do think that right after you do the deed just for even a moment yeah please you should just hold and embrace yeah. each other just for that moment yeah, it depends no, on the relationship everybody don't want to no. be held See, I don't like Well, to I'm not just out there thoughting and bopping, so I want you to hold me for a second. <laughs> like, if you love me, for example, the second sex is over, if I was on top, don't push me off you. As quickly as possible, if you love me, you will let me dismount with a little fucking dignity. Hey, I'm Briny, and welcome to Future of Sex, the podcast that explores the evolving worlds of sex and tech. Right now, I am in a tiny wardrobe in a hotel room in quarantine in Australia. I am so glad to have made it to this side of the world and have been really inspired to record an episode during my quarantine and dive into some of the conversations we've been having on Instagram around aftercare. The post-sex process, some people call it. Well, what is aftercare? Are you doing it right? And how do you give aftercare when the sex sucks? But before we get started, I just want to remind you, this podcast contains explicit language and adult themes. So make sure you've got headphones in if there are little ones around. So recently I posted about aftercare on Instagram and it started this really interesting discussion, which has led me here to a wardrobe in a hotel recording this dedicated episode on aftercare for you. Because I like to see aftercare as one bookend to sex. So on one side you have the, let's call it pre-care. It's those consent conversations, the negotiations that happen before you actually do the deed. Most of us are familiar with those. We know how to talk about what we want or maybe how we want to try things, some new things, or how to talk about our fantasies with someone. At the very least, how to get consent before you proceed. But the other side of that, after we've had an orgasm or finished whatever we define as sex, that's where aftercare lives. Now, I'm going to explain aftercare and talk to some people who can share some new ideas of what aftercare looks like to them and whether it's appropriate to seek aftercare if you're not in a relationship. Like, how does it look if you're in a one-night stand? To answer that question, who better than Alison Moon? She's the author of Getting It, a guide to hot, healthy hookups and shame-free sex, and one of my favourite sex educators. So aftercare is a term that comes from BDSM, and it's it basically means what you need to feel safe, uh, comfortable, and you know fulfilled after an intense sexual experience. And I think you know in the BDSM world, it's often about seeing and after you know how the top takes care of the bottom after seeing. But I think it's something that's really important for everyone, regardless of what you just did and how even how intense it was. Like aftercare is what you need to feel safe and respected after sex. Yeah, 
And for those that are not in the BDSM world, seening is? Uh, when you have basically a sexual or, you know, BDSM interaction with somebody. So when you did an activity in the BDSM realm and it's, you know, kind of has a start, middle and end. So after the end of that session, whatever it looked like, whether it was, a, you know, a rope bondage scene or a, or a role play scene, once the scene is ended, um, that's that's the scene. I think that aftercare is really important because it's really what can separate a kind of awkward sexual experience from a sexual experience that leaves people feeling really like trash, you know, like really used and really feeling terrible. Um, because it's the, it's who you are with somebody after you, after you're not fully aroused anymore, after they're not the most interesting thing in the room. Right. And that's when it becomes really clear how you actually feel about someone. Um, and people can pick up on that. So I think it's really important to get good at it. And I don't mean it has to be all like gooey, like lovey dovey. If that's not the vibe that you have, that's fine. But I think it means like treating the other person like a person. And so, you know, in some ways I consider it like just the communication stuff that you've got on log about like what you like to do, words that you like to use for your body, all the stuff that comes before sex. I think it's just as important to know yourself, what you want after sex. And for some people that's going to be like, uh, let's, let's snack together in bed naked and talk about things. It can be, you know, I just want to fall right asleep or I want to cuddle or I want to shower or I want to masturbate again or whatever. Like knowing yourself and knowing what you like is really the first step. There's so many different options for like what would feel good that I think it's kind of fun to think about, well, what is the menu? What's possible mm -hmm. for, for what you might like after sex? People just kind of think, oh, it's go to sleep or at orgasm the end. Well, and I think that's, that comes from this very kind of monoculture idea of what sex has to look like. And I think, you know, the first step for me is the, like giving people the option to realize how much is on the menu truly. And you know, it's just, it, you know, Hollywood wants us to think it's one thing and maybe your ex-boyfriend wants you to think it's one thing, but ultimately everything's on the menu and you just have to give yourself the time and space to kind of really figure it out. And it also means it's going to change from person to person from day to day. Some people you don't want to cuddle with and some people you really do, you know, some people you don't want to shower with, but some people you really might. So just knowing that about yourself and having the facility of understanding yourself is really key um, because then it can create like, I mean, you know, so many conversations around like, is this a sleepover, you know, um, and all the different kind of, kind of relationshipy moments that happen with a hookup. So the first part is getting clear on what you want. Yeah. So I think that the next thing is, I think that there are some things it's a good idea to talk about. And this might be, you know, the next morning after you've both just fallen asleep because your sex was so fulfilling and so, you know, exhausting. Um, and then over breakfast, you talk about this, uh, but it can also be right afterwards. One of my favorite things is, you know, I'm thinking of, I had a really lovely threesome with um, my partner and a lover of mine. And we had gone out for dinner and we kind of wanted to have a light dinner because we knew we were going to go back and have sex. So we had like a little bit of light dinner, but we bought a bunch of food to go. And then we brought it back to the apartment. We had a lot of fun sex. And then afterwards, the three of us like hung around in the apartment in various states of undress, eating hamburgers and talking about what we liked. <laughs> 
And that was so fun and enriching for me because it was my lover's first threesome with a man and a woman. And I was really, it was exciting to me to like give him that opportunity to kind of like see how fun and cash and chill and friendly it could be. And I think a lot of us, we have these high stakes attached to sex and after can be, can be the place where you actually allow yourself to relax a little bit and just connect with the person without an agenda. And so one of the nicest things to talk about is, you know, what you liked about the sex that just happened. Like, what was your favorite part? Because I think that helps a couple of things. It helps redefine and kind of um, reinforces good choices. So if I say like, oh, my God, when you like spanked me, that was so awesome. Now that partner knows, oh, when I spanked her, that was really awesome, (laughs) right? And that's a nice memory to have to go back to if we sleep together again. And I think it's also a great opportunity to clear up confusion because oftentimes during sex, someone will make a noise that we don't understand or will ask for something, but we don't know why. And we can get stuck in our heads after that. We can get, you know, on this hamster wheel of, oh no, maybe they didn't really like me or they didn't really like when I did that and I can't tell. And we can get just caught up in our own insecurities. And if we use aftercare as the moment to be like, hey, when you made that sound, what was that about? Or when you made that request or asked me to call you that word, can you tell me more about that? Because we learn more about our partners. And I think more importantly, well, just as importantly, we learn about people and sex in general. Because even if you're only going to sleep with this person once, you've now learned about how this person likes to have sex. And that will be useful information for the next person you have sex with. They might like similar things or they might have similar interests. And now you have knowledge to pull from because you talked to that person about why they liked that. And suddenly you've become a more sexually knowledgeable person. Person, and that's just a good thing. Well, that was nice. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You want to do it again? No, 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 right now. Okay. I just want to marinate in this for a while. I read in your book was a, a personal story, an anecdote from um, someone that was saying, I made a request in the aftercare that I was too scared to make mm-hmm. while we were having sex or before sex to slap my face. Mm-hmm. And it was in that time afterwards where it was, she was sort of able to ask for it. Yeah, that that was me. All of those personal anecdotes are mine. But this is what I think is really cool. Like aftercare is a great opportunity for that to like, this is a thing I would have liked, but it kind of was an awkward thing to bring up in the moment because also, you know, face slapping is an intense thing and not everybody's a yes to it. So at that point I was like, I wasn't sure if he would be into it. So I just kind of let it go. Wasn't necessary, let it go. And then afterwards I'm like, hey, I felt that there was an energy there where I really wanted you to slap my face. And he was like, oh my God, I didn't think you'd be into that. And I'm like, well, I am into that, but you know, it's useful when, when I'm able to ask for it, you don't just haul off. And he's like, okay, great. And so the next time we had sex, he was, I was able to ask for it and he was able to give it to me and it was great. Um, so yeah, adding things for next time, um, clarifying confusion or just being, you know, showing people more menu items. And this can also be stuff that you discover during the sex when you're like, oh my God, they called me that word. And I didn't think I'd like that word, but I really like that word. That's a great thing to learn about yourself. And then it's a great thing to tell them being like, Hey, I never thought I'd like that word, but the way you said it really worked for me. That's just a nice, again, this is just raising everyone's sexual cachet so that you understand the variety of sexual experience, but you learn more about yourself, which is like one of the best parts about having sex with a lot of people is you learn more things every time you're with someone new. 
Let's stop for a minute to chat about penis healthcare. Probably something you don't think that much about unless you have a penis and it isn't working the way you want it to. Now, because it's so stigmatized, no one really knows how common it is to experience issues of erectile dysfunction. No one knows how to bring it up with their partners, with anyone really. But here's something. One in 10 penis owners are estimated to have erectile dysfunction at some point in their lifetime. So chances are you might be one of them or you might be with someone experiencing ED. And honestly, it's nothing to be ashamed about. The reality is that it's such a common issue for all different ages and for all different reasons. And there's nothing awkward about taking care of your body's needs, especially sexually. I for one am all about taking proactive steps to make sure you feel comfortable in your own body and you make choices that serve you best. So for our US listeners, if you're one of the 30 million men experiencing ED, you may like to check out Rougiette Ready. Now, Rougiette is a fast acting, like five times faster acting ED medication. Rougiette Ready's board certified doctors prescribe a custom dose for you. And they do that through their telehealth service on rougiette.com. If you'd like to give them a try, we have a promo code for 20% off your first order. So go to rougiette.com, that's R-U-G-I-E-T.com and use the code FOS for 20% off your first order. And check the show notes for more details. Any kind of intense moment, it doesn't have to be at the end of a kinky scene. We right. have had aftercare after rough sex. Yeah. Because it was a very intense moment where, yeah, there was some pain involved and right. emotions got high and all. And so then what I needed afterwards, because this is what I need for aftercare, mm-hmm. was a cuddle. Like, cuddle me and right. tell, pat, stroke my hair and tell me you love me and think I'm pretty. You know, like that <laughs> right. is what I need. <laughs> yes. Key Simone has a few things to say about aftercare. Her tweet on the topic, which I posted on Instagram, went viral. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of lovedby.her, an online platform that focuses on the celebration of black queer folks loving one another. And I called Key up to ask about that tweet and hear what she had to say about aftercare for hookups, figuring out shy partners, and what exactly you like for your own aftercare. Your tweet, like, yeah. is the most viewed, most engaged tweet on the whole of our Instagram at Future of Sex. I actually was just looking at it because I, I actually had to mute it because it went viral on my Twitter. But so what I said was aftercare in relationships in general isn't discussed enough. If we get into a huge fight, there needs to be aftercare. If we have some wild sex, there needs to be aftercare. If we have a series of deep conversation, there needs to be aftercare. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So it really stemmed because it's something that I actively do with my partners. I'm more queer than anything else because I date women. I also date people who are non-binary and I've also dated people who are trans. So I like to label myself as queer so that I am respectful to the pronouns of everyone I've ever dated. I know for me personally, like I've learned over just the years of having sex, right? Um, That for me, I need to be cuddled after I need to be touched after. If we have sex 
and you don't touch me after, I immediately feel rejected. I feel like I'm being used for my body. You know, I'm not being appreciated, right? For probably all the work that we both just did. It's an immediate turnoff for me. So a part of the aftercare that I like to experience is like after we've had sex, unless again, that we're just like lit or we just fall asleep. And like when you fall asleep after sex, you fall asleep however you finish, right? But like if we're still awake, I would like to cuddle. I would like to be touched. I would like to be reassured in a physical way so that I don't feel insecure and so that I don't feel rejected. So I think like what learning, it's like when you learn your love languages, it's something that happens with experience and it's something that happens over time. And it's something that can change depending on who your partner is. So, you know, I know that's something that I need all of the time, but like, I'm also not someone who needs you to go grab a towel so I can wipe myself down. I probably will get up and do that myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to want to go to the bathroom after sex and clean myself up. It can be different with different partners and it can be different with different people. Mm, that's so true. Like I just discovered I love taking showers together with my partner now right. after sex and like having a chat. I've never really done that before. Right. And that's a form of aftercare because you kind of think like, you know, when you think about it, like when you have a really big project at work, once you get through the dick of, thick of it, right? I said dick, oh my God, the thick of it, very <laughs> on brand. Once you get through the thick of it, you often have a rundown with your boss about what worked, what what didn't work, what was successful, wasn't successful. So if you think about sex in that way, right? Like if you have this wild sex or you have this intense sex, right? And you guys get in the shower and just kind of like decompress. I'm like, oh my God, that was so good, babe. Like, yeah, baby, that was good. Like that's aftercare because you guys are kind of checking in with each other. You're spending some um, intimate time that's not necessarily sexual. You're in a comfortable space and it, you're just kind of like decompressing with one another after having very, very intense or crazy wild sex. I think it's necessary. Now, there are some people who like to take showers alone. That is aftercare, allowing your partner the space to do what they need to do to kind of recenter themselves after sex is showing that you're that you care about their needs. And that is also a form of aftercare. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. Some people had commented like, yeah, solo time is really yeah, important. Absolutely. And I mean, it really... You know, and that's why I say it can change with the person that you're with, because maybe there are people who you're like, I'm not that interested, even though I'm enjoying the sex. So I just want to be by myself when we're done. It's not to reject you. And you definitely shouldn't make someone feel rejected if that is what you need. Just communicate in a very soft and respectful way. Like, hey, like, you know, I enjoy this, but like, I would kind of like you for you to kind of like pack up (laughs) and head out so I can like shower and kind of get myself together. Do you think aftercare can happen without a conversation like you mentioned a couple of things there like rubbing someone's back like is that also considered aftercare like for people that are shy yeah I think aftercare um you know can be physical it can be emotional it can be and it can be physical so you know having those conversations that's more of an emotional thing a physical aftercare is like maybe going to get them a towel to wipe themselves down or getting them a drink of water, or maybe turning the TV on and putting on their favorite show because you know it relaxes them, or even making them food. Like there are all different ways that you can kind of show that you're thinking of them or considering their feelings after a very intimate or intense moment without physically having to, like actually having to talk about it. What if you have a shy partner? I've definitely dealt with shy partners before. Again, I am very sexually open. I definitely have a darker, twistier taste than a lot of my sexual partners. Um, I really just try to be patient and I just communicate. And I just kind of let them know, like, you know, 
these are the things that I'm interested in doing. When you're ready or when you feel comfortable, I would like to do these things with you. And then you let me what we need to do to make you feel more comfortable because I'm not shy, but I have gone through some traumatic experiences where I can get triggered very easily. So there's a tenderness that my partners have to have with me too. You know what I mean? So I think as long as you're just communicating and showing patience, and as long as you make somebody feel safe, eventually once they get comfortable, they'll open up to those type of things. You just have to be understanding. But if you're someone who lacks patience and you want someone to be on the same sexual peak as you, then you probably shouldn't date or have sex with people who are more shy because it's not, it's not going to turn out well. You have to be understanding to partners like that. Because there are so many intense emotions and they're in a space that isn't like a normal, stable emotional space. Yeah. The goal of, or like even physical space, yeah. the goal of aftercare is to bring them back from that to a normal functioning space. Right. Like a regular, stable, emotional, physical space. Okay, and before you go, I just had one last question for Allison. What happens when the sex sucks? Is aftercare still important? I think the hardest thing is when you have to deliver kind of bad news to an otherwise good person, right? Um, I think that there are things to, to talk about when it comes to like bad sex with bad people, but I think odds are we're talking about like awkward sex with somebody who just kind of didn't quite get our body and wasn't really listening. And in this way, I like to think of it almost as like community service in a certain degree. Like if I have a hard time saying something and I'm afraid of telling somebody some things, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I think about the next person they're going to sleep with. And I think about what can I do right now? What can I say right now that might help that person? And so in those ways, I'll probably say something like, hey, just so you know, I didn't feel really listened to, or I felt like there could be improvement in the ways that you do this, or like, maybe I feel like, you know, you don't really didn't understand my body very well. And I'd like to explain some things to you, like these teaching moments that can actually be really useful. And of course, not everybody responds perfectly to hearing, you know, constructive criticism, but I do think it's it's important to, to the degree that you feel safe to do so, to share what you think is, is helpful to them as a sexual person. I certainly experienced this when I was young with, you know, new lovers and, you know, their kissing style was weird and awkward and not nice. And so I would often kind of pull back and say, Hey, I really love that I'm kissing you right now. And I would like to ask for you to maybe soften your tongue or, or, or let me chase your tongue a little bit more and, and or whatever that upgrade would be. There's a really great tool that I like to use. And it's also in the book called the appreciation sandwich. I learned this from a relationship educator named Liana Silver. And I also mention it in the girl sex one-on-one book too, because it's so useful. And it's really just an appreciation and then an upgrade and then another an appreciation. And it's this really great little formula for helping people like accept what you're about to say and soften so they're not necessarily defensive and they're actually able to hear what you have to say. Like it's such a simple way to improve people's skills without necessarily coming at them like you're telling them they're a bad lover or a bad person. Thanks for listening to Future of Sex. If you're interested in joining the conversation, all the fun stuff happens over at Instagram at Future of Sex. And of course, I love it when you rate and review us, like use the typey type thing and write a sentence or two about the podcast. 
I will see it, I will read it, and I will love it. This podcast, which wouldn't be the same without David Lamb as my producer and editor and sound designer, Chad Michael Snavely at Sound On, Sound Off. See you next time.